Good morning. It is 10.07 on a steamy October 1st Sunday morning. We will persevere through the heat today. Pete Najarian, Charlie Weiss, Dave Schwartz, great to have you with us this morning on the huddle. Surely you've heard by now that the uh, Twin Cities Marathon has been canceled. It's only the second time in history. Uh, I have never run a marathon, Pete. I, have you? I, have I no can't th- even drive it. I, <laughs> I ran a half once. One time I did. I ran Grandma's Half Marathon, which was beautiful. Oh, yeah. uh, my wife and I ran it before we had kids. We got done, and my wife said, that's fun. I think I want to do a, a, a full marathon. And I said, great, have fun. I will watch you from the finish line because that was enough for me. And I never did another marathon again, or half marathon again. Uh. I've never even enough. thought about it. <laughs> well, I wish I hadn't thought about it. Let me tell you, my legs were pretty shot after. So mm. uh, I do feel for all the runners this morning, though. So if you're listening and you were getting ready to run in the marathon this morning, a uh, heartfelt apology. I know how much training goes into that. So very much a bummer that they're not able to run this morning. But if you're a Gopher football fan, probably a little bit happier today with a victory over Louisiana yesterday. Uh, Pete, I, I have some thoughts about this uh, that have nothing that have nothing to do with the game. So I'll let you start with the game itself. Uh, I, I thought it was a little boring, but that's mm-hmm. the way they win football games. I thought Athian Kaliak Manis looked to me younger than I had seen him look, mm-hmm. uh, and, and what I mean by that is that that interception at the end of the first half, which was clearly a force. You know, he's trying to force that. Um, he throwing off the back foot, it gets intercepted. They don't necessarily pay for it a whole lot because they got the ball back in the second half. A good win, though. I mean, it, it gets them off the losing streak, and now they got to look ahead to Michigan next week. But <laughs> what were your what were your thoughts from yesterday? Well, I, I think when you look at the the way the Gophers played yesterday, and I liked how PJ decided to call the game because. You know, there are so many times where we've been very critical about the idea of like, why did you throw here? Why did yeah. you run here? Well, you know, all those kinds of things. And I think the reality was he embraced exactly what was working, just like you're supposed to do as a head coach. And we ran the football. We had 51 rushing uh, attempts yesterday, 200 yards. We had an opportunity to see all of our running backs outside of, you know, obviously we have the injury, but Zach Evans looked great. Bryce Williams at least stepped up and had an opportunity to get in there a few times. And he thought, I thought he looked okay. Uh, Sean Tyler, who we've, we've talked about a little bit here and there as a very solid running back. So I just like the fact that, you know, Kelly McManus and, and what PJ did, he only threw the ball 14 times, Dave, he was yeah. 12 of 14. So He's got a couple of touchdowns. I thought Daniel Jackson looked really, really good yesterday. He looked fast. Yep. Um, Defensively, Tyler Newbin is just a stud. Let's be honest. That That interception was amazing. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. Now he's got three interceptions on the year. He is going to be a guy who's going to have, I think, a nice career, uh, you know, as long as everything goes well or whatever. I think he'll be a, a very good pro football player. He's He's got everything you'd want in, you know, whether you want to put him in a safety position, a nickel position, it doesn't matter. He's, he's a talented kid. The, the raging Cajuns though, uh, you know, a lot of people probably say, well, you know, the powder puffs, right? Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's a really good football team with an amazing amount of talent. Their quarterback was out. I think the freshman's better anyway. The Zeon Chris, that, that kid impressed me. He's a, I don't know how LSU didn't take him. (laughs) <laughs> to well, be they, honest, he's right out of Baton had, Rouge. <laughs> yeah, and they probably had so many quarterbacks on their roster that they, they didn't have a scholarship for him would be likely, right? I mean, that happens right. down there. You know that. So yep. uh, so much good talent down there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that PJ – two things PJ did this week that, that I think are great. One, 
They finally started going for it on fourth down. Do you notice that? Yeah, they went three I, for three yesterday <laughs> on fourth downs, including the, the touchdown to Daniel Jackson and, and then icing the game. So I'm really glad that he finally, that, that he finally decided, okay, we, we cannot play so, um, so tentative. You've got to take some risks in football, and you've got to give them a chance. And they did. They go three for three yesterday on fourth downs. But the most impressive thing that P.J. Fleck did to me did this week to me was had nothing to do with football. So if you heard his quote this week, did you hear about this? He says, so if we, quote, we want to keep players, all these guys we have, they won't be here next year, Fleck says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm reading from the Star Tribune. Uh, quote, I'm making sure everybody understands they won't be here. We'll be a triple-A ball club for somebody else. That is the reality and the truth of the situation. So please contact Town Athletics, which is their NIL collective. This was by far PJ Fleck's best PR move, uh, possibly of his career. Okay, <laughs> this this article comes out on what uh, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. I think it was it, it was Tuesday or Wednesday that it came out, and it, it, we stopped by Wednesday. We stopped talking about what was the worst loss of his era, <laughs> and everyone's talking about how do we make sure that we don't lose great players to the to the portal and to NIL and all that stuff and, and how people have to start contributing to the NIL fund to make sure that we keep all these great players. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong, first of all, and I'll agree with that. He's not wrong. But the fact that he said this early in the week and it just started churning through all of the media spin cycles. We were by I don't even think I heard another word about the loss after Tuesday. <laughs> and so he successfully washed out his worst loss of, of his career, he successfully got it off the plates of all the players and started talking about something that, A, has nothing to do with football this week, and B, won't be dealt with this week at all. It, I, I, I like P.J. Fleck as a coach, but as a PR uh, person, that's just brilliant. I, I mean, it's just brilliant, and, and if you believe him or not, if you like it or not, you cannot deny the fact that he successfully pushed off the worst loss of his career, of his of his Gophers career, mm-hmm. and had nobody talking about it the rest of the week. Well, it, it's a great deflection, uh, as you're saying. I mean, it's a yeah. great way to just change the narrative, right? The narrative being, wow, how do you collapse into the final right. parts of the game? And and but he is right to your point, and and I think it is. It's an interesting thing, and I'm frustrated by the whole world of NIL, to be honest with you, because of the fact that. You know, I had a long discussion with quite a few very high up uh, folks that potentially would be the donors for that on Friday and and met up with a big group of folks. And I, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it or not, so I'm not going to. But um, yeah. I can tell you it it's very difficult and, and the competitive landscape is brutal because you've got the Colorados of the world who have who've brought in all this money, right? Uh, along with Dion and everything that he has done there. You've got USC with all the Hollywood folks. You've got all those Southern states like Texas and Alabama and Georgia, where that alumni is there to give you money. And they used to do it illegally. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> yes. but now they, they can do it legally, right? So that's, that's part of what we are seeing play out in front of us. You've got Michigan and Ohio State and all these that have these great donors. And that's the one thing we lack. And, and quite honestly, PJ's right. I'm, uh, Darius Taylor, are you kidding me? What kind of yep. offers is he going to get if he gets back healthy on the on the field, which I, th- I know he will? But you know that is something that I think we, has to be looked at 
what do you do with Sean Tyler when somebody else offers him this? Maybe even Ethan Kaliak Manis at some point. Somebody looks and says, you know what? He's big, he's strong, he's athletic. We can coach him up to be even better or whatever. Um, there's a lot of players like that, I think, with the Gophers. Now, do I think it's right? Absolutely not. I, I, I think it's awful the way this whole thing is playing out and how, the fact that nobody has ever gone to the next level. And I found out more information about this this past week as well. But there's got to be somebody out there who goes to the federal government, who actually goes in and says, look, there needs to be some form of regulation here. How do we do that? How, how do we get this to the point where there is a regulated dollar amount and all the, the rest of it? And that, that, I think, is the frustrating thing to me is uh, this looks just like, and I've used this expression before, this looks just like crypto, where, yeah. you know, in my world of the finance world, crypto has no regulation. That's a real problem. And yeah. we all know it. <laughs> and we've watched it play out. But uh, I don't think that they understand this at the college level, you know, because it's not just college football, it's basketball, it's men's and women's sports, all of that. So how do they figure this thing out so that there is some form of a regulatory committee of some sort where it's $10 million, it's $5 million, it's $30 million, whatever the number is. Otherwise, how do we compete against USC, which will be in the Big Ten? We can't. We, we, I mean, I, right. I just, you know, we just can't. You're right, and and I think that falls on the NCAA. I think yep. it falls, but I also think it's an, you can't put Pandora back in the box. No, and that that's the problem now. They, they've opened. They just they opened it up. They threw the box away and burned it. And I don't know how you're going to because what's going to how you put it back is what's going to happen is as soon as you start to put some regulations on it, we're just going to go back to the old, people are going to go back to the old ways of cheating the system again, yeah. just like they did before it was legal. Mm. Uh, so I don't know that you can put. I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't know how the how the NCAA puts it uh, back in the box. So that'll that'll be interesting to see. But does this, Pete? And I I say this with an asterisk because it's our question that I'd like to hear from people on the first hour here on the Cities One Plumbing Talking Text Line six five one four six one nine two two six. Does the win yesterday or anything give you any confidence at all going into Michigan next week? To me, I. It did nothing, and I don't see – and I don't mean to be a alarmist here. I don't see any any way that the Gophers get past Michigan next week. They are such a good team. Put up 45 on Nebraska yesterday, I think it was. And, and they can run. They can pass. They can do it all. I don't have – and I. it sounds terrible to say, but I don't have a lot of hope that they can take it to Michigan. Um, but I, I maybe I could be convinced differently. I know that we're pushing it up against the, the time clock, so I'll just say really quickly, here's one of the biggest problems also going into this Michigan game. We gave up six and a half yards per carry to Louisiana. Yep. 27 tri- tries on the, the attempts, 177 yards. Our defense has to figure that out. We we thought we had a defense that was somewhere in the top five because they were the first couple of weeks, but you never know. You're not playing anybody. But that's going to be a problem because if we can't stop Louisiana, how are we going to stop Blake Corum and Michigan and everything that they bring to the table? That's a really good number two football team in Michigan. I had to look Blake Corum up because it feels like we've been talking about him forever, but he's only <laughs> this is only his fourth year. <laughs> which I was I was shocked at. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. How uh, do you have any confidence going into Michigan next week? Does the win yesterday make you feel any different one way or the other? Hit us up on the Cities One Plumbing Talk and text line six five one four six one nine two two six. Coming up next, 
The Twins will, well, they'll have to find out today who they're going to face in the uh, first round of the postseason. Corey Provis, play-by-play voice on uh, WCCO for the Minnesota Twins, is going to join us next. We'll chat with him about the Twins. You're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. Welcome back to The Huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Nigerian, Charlie Weiss. Great to have you with us this morning. Great to have Corey Provis with us this morning, the Twins radio play-by-play voice, joining us in the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline this morning. Corey, good morning. Good morning, guys, and great to have Spin the Black Circle as the uh, pop music coming back out of break there from uh, Rojo. <laughs> Charlie. Nice. He's good. <laughs> I love it. You're you're a huge music guy, right? Uh, yeah, I love, like, you know, 90s. You know, grunge music is uh, is my jam, but uh, especially Pearl Jam is my, my favorite band. So I caught the caught the uh, the first show when they were in town a few weeks ago uh, at the X, and it was fantastic. That was one show I wish I'd gone to. I didn't go to, and I wished I wished I had Corey. Um, let's talk a little baseball here, and we'll maybe we'll revisit Pearl Jam a little bit later. But uh, the Twins have two chances to uh, two teams they could face today. It, it's either going to be. Uh, Houston, it sounds like, or Toronto. Which team should be the team that the Twins and their fans hope they face in the first round? Well, from what I'm gathering on uh, on social media and probably just talking amongst my my peers, I, I feel like the, the 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 idea and the feeling out there is that the Twins, you know, amongst the fans, want to avoid seeing Houston uh, in this first round matchup on Tuesday. Yeah, it's either going to be the Astros or the Blue Jays. You know, part of me wants to see Toronto because of the atmosphere at Target Field. When the Blue Jays come to town anyway, the regular season, it's among my favorite series, weekends, what what have you, of of the year. Because Toronto fans, they show up, they're loud, they're into it. So if there are, and I know there are some remaining tickets for the playoff games uh, that start on Tuesday, they're going to be swallowed up by, by Blue Jay fans. And it's going to just enhance the atmosphere even more with you know playoff baseball at Target Field and plenty of Toronto fans. Uh, they will certainly be in town if the Blue Jays are indeed in town. So from that standpoint, I think Toronto would be a lot of fun. But then also, you know, there's that there's that Ric Flair line, Pete. You know, to to be the best, you have to beat the best, and that's what the Astros are. I mean, the Astros are the the reigning champs. So why not bring it on and see how the Twins match up? If indeed that's the matchup on Tuesday. Corey, I may have had a Pearl Jam sighting this past when they were in town in downtown Minneapolis, but that's, I, I can't confirm that one. But I'm, I'm just telling you, they were there. Anyway, uh, real quick, uh, going into this season, I'm just curious how you viewed this whole thing because we came into this season. Everybody was talking about the pitch clock. A lot of folks that you know have been watching baseball forever didn't really like the idea of this thing, but. I think clearly it was a success. Do you agree? And how did that have to? Did that change how you have to? You know, basically call the games because of that. Pitch clock has been the best invention in baseball. You know, in in decades, in a long, long time. I, I have not encountered anybody that has been against it. Maybe some players, but uh, for the most part, you know, I think the fans number one. I've not heard any fan. I'm not saying they're not out there. But any fan that I've interacted with, Pete, when this topic has come up that said, I hate the pitch clock. I think it, it's, it's, it's forced the game to move faster, and that's what everybody wanted. I don't think the play has suffered as much because of it. Maybe there has been you know, a climb and a connection with more injuries uh, to pitchers. You know, I think that'll be something that will be studied once the season is, is over 
and they'll have enough data to look at and see how this season compared to others in terms of a spike in, in, in arm injuries or shoulder injuries for pitchers not giving them as much time as they could kind of reset in the past. But it's been, it's been wonderful. I've enjoyed that. The one thing, how it's impacted, I think, just preparation for the broadcast, you don't have as much time, um, I think, for stories and for, you know, down you know, memory lane with Danny Gladden, which is among my favorite parts uh, that, that we <laughs> get into each and every day because the time doesn't permit. Um, I haven't spent as much time focusing on the other team because there's not time to get in all these different anecdotes about who these guys are. You hit the big ones, but I think I've, I've kind of lessened my prep on on the opposing team just because of how quickly and in, in, a, in a more quicker fashion the game is moving in today's era. That is the voice of Corey Provis on the Cities One Plumbing, uh, excuse me, the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, play-by-play voice to the Twins, best in the business for my money, Corey. Uh, I'd like to give you three names, and I'd like you to tell me which, if any of them, uh, we will see in this first series. Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton. Will we see any of them uh, in this first series? I think yes, yes, no. Okay. Um, I think that Correa, I think Correa is good to go. I've heard nothing otherwise all weekend long. He's not here. All three of those guys stayed back, by the way. In Minneapolis, they're not they're not with the team here in Denver, but I think Correa is going to he's going to play. He's going to start. I think Royce is going to probably DH and I'm going to go to the workout tomorrow and I want to see with my own eyes. He's going to be taking ground balls. I think that's going to happen. But, you know, this is not one that he can play. I I think it's 70 percent. I think that he's got to be able to run. He's got to be able to move. And if he can't do that and it may cost his team because he doesn't have the same range, then I don't think it's in anybody's best interest to have him play third base, but he can still swing the bat, you know, and that's what we've heard. He hit a home run, I think, in a sim game the other day. Um, So I think there's a good chance that he's on the roster. I I don't think Byron's body is going to allow him to be on the roster uh, just right now. I just think that still the knee is flaring up. It's not at the level that he wants it to be at, that anybody wants it to be at. So, and I just don't think there's room right now, Dave, for this roster to have Byron only DH. I yeah. think that if you have a DH, he's got to be able to also maybe go out in the field. And that, to me, is what separates you know Byron from some other guys right now, that I just don't think his body is allowing him even to play an inning two max in center field. So because of that, my hunch right now is that it, it tells me that Byron will not be on the roster. If Lewis, if Lewis is there... Do you think that he that the layoff will bother him? I mean, Carlos Correa is a veteran. Obviously, he, he's had his ups and downs. We've seen guys on the roster this year, Corey, who have, after a layoff, had a little bit of tough time speeding up. Lewis is young. He can hit, and we know he can hit amazingly. But having this time off before jumping back in again, can that be harmful to him? I think timing, I think just game speed, there's only so much you can simulate. And they've, they've, they've done their best in order to keep these guys physically sharp, to keep their timing down. But, again, these are simulated games, if you will, uh, you know, with Cole Sands and I think Jordan Balazovic and some other guys that have been throwing uh, to these hitters at Target Field and before that even over in St. Paul. So we're going to find out quickly here, um, you know, whether or not we see some rust and whether it's Toronto and it's Kevin Gosman on Tuesday, which is not going to be easy anyway because the guy throws in the upper 90s with a devastating split, 
or if it's lefty Framber Valdez, who doesn't beat you with big velo, but he's got such a good curveball. And he can just make you look so bad at the plate with how he throws it and shapes it. So, yeah, timing for all these guys. And I think for Correa, too. Um, I understand, though, he's, he's moving well. He's been taking ground balls. He's been moving to his right, moving to his left, coming in. He's doing all the necessary things that the training staff needs him to prove in order for him to be ready to go and start at shortstop and bat, you know, probably fifth on Tuesday. Corey, I'm just excited the fact that we finally have some momentum really going into this whole thing. I mean, when you look at September and you look at the runs and the home runs and everything else, we really are on a roll. And we have actually, for the first time in a long time that I have long, longest time all year, I, I can't remember us going eight and two in the last 10. So it seems like momentum is on the side for the Twins finally. And any credit to what, what it is about September that we've done so well? Well, they've taken advantage, Pete. I mean, I'd be lying if I said they didn't take advantage of a soft schedule. I mean, they, they've okay. played some, some weak teams here at the end of the year, but that's just how it lined up. And they're demolishing the baseball. I mean, the Twins are scoring more runs this month than any other team in the game, uh, at least in September, I should say. We're now right, we're into October now. So uh, that, that's, <laughs> the, that's the thing that they've done is that they scored about over six runs a game in the month of September more than any other team. So I think mostly they've taken advantage of non-playoff teams, sub-500 teams, and demolished you know, some weaker pitching. But that, that's what the challenge was there. Okay, what can you do against some weaker teams? Well, crush the baseball. And look, and I think this was fair criticism. Going back to the trade deadline, you know, Pete and Dave, they did not add much. They did not add too much in terms outside of Jordan Luplo another right-handed hitting outfielder, a right-handed hitting first baseman, and they just said, hey, we know the offense has underperformed. Let's see how these guys respond now, second half of the year. And the offense, thanks largely to rookies, and also I think the best season Max Kepler's put together in years is a big reason why the offense has had such a dramatic but wonderful turnaround here towards the end of 2023. Corey, real quick before we let you go, who, if you're – if you're managing this team, if you're Rocco, who do you start in game one? Oh, no, it's Pablo. Pablo's going game one. He's not even here. Uh, Pablo did not travel with the team. He stayed back in Minneapolis. So Pablo's going game one. And then if they win that game, if they lose that game, Sonny Gray, who I think is the team MVP, yeah. I'd put him over everybody else right now. I think you know that's the guy you want pitching with you know the, the season on the line or the series on the line. That, to me, is a, is a pretty good one-two combo. So they have pitching, and I think back 2020, that short series they had with the Astros, they were knocked out in two games. Twins only scored one run, and the pitching was great. Jose Brios and Kenta Maeda did great in that series. It was the lack of offense that, uh, that sealed their fate. You know, they're going to line up with outstanding pitching, and unlike 2020, guys will have a packed house. It's going to be awesome. Playoff baseball target field with fans back in there. It's going to be electric, and I can't wait to get it going on Tuesday. Corey Provost, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great call today. We appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, Corey. All right, Dave. All the best, buddy. Thanks, Pete. It's Corey Provost, just awesome. Uh, if you have not listened to him, he is absolutely excellent uh, on the play-by-play call uh, on baseball, obviously right here on our very airwaves. He is one of the best in the business. We'll take a quick break. Come back. We'll do the fast break. You're listening to the Huddle on 830 WCCO. All right, guys. Let's uh, get it going. We'll start out with the Gophers. We've already talked about it, obviously, a little bit right at the top of the show. Uh, are they back? Are they not back? Whatever. Uh, Pete, 
I want your score prediction for Michigan on Saturday. 6.30, Huntington Bank (laughs) Stadium. I I want the official prediction from Pete Najarian. What is that final score going to look like? You know, I I normally would look at it and say, because I think our defense is generally pretty good, but uh, given what we did against Louisiana and Northwestern on the collapse, uh, it it makes me nervous because I, I felt like the defense was a strength that was much stronger you know, both running and passing, and, and then we had a couple injuries, but we can't stop the run. If we can't stop the run, I'll, I will say that it's going to look a lot like the Nebraska game. Um, that was, what, 45 think, nothing? Yeah. Uh, no, not nothing. Well, they scored a remember, touchdown. Yeah, they got a touchdown. They put point. it on the board. No, but I, I think it could be something like uh, 45-10, I think. Uh, I'll say 35-14 because I think the Gophers oh. will get a, junk touch, a couple junk touchdowns late. <laughs> All right. All right, there it is. Uh, I, I'm I feel a little bit better than you guys do about the game, but also I'm a rabid homer. Uh, and <laughs> That's I a good thing. Yeah, I lie to myself. First step is admitting it. The very well done, sir. Well, yeah, I lie to myself. I know that. It's but that's what I like. You know? um, we'll move on here. It is the final day of the regular season. As we just talked to Corey Provis. By the way, if you missed that conversation with Corey, it's on the podcast page now. You can uh, re-listen here. What's happening with Royce Lewis, Byron Buxton, and Carlos Correa for this Great playoff plug. series? Thank you very much. Well but my question is, we are we are at the end of the regular season. We know that they're making the postseason. But without that, uh, discounting the postseason, because uh, mm-hmm. we're not there yet, if you were to look at this team at the beginning of the season and where they are currently today, what would you grade the season for this Minnesota Twins team based on the expectations at the beginning of the season? I, I, based on the expectations, I'll, I'll give them a B plus because I think by the second or third week we all knew they were going to win the central. The central's so bad this year. I mean, I, what they're only—they're the only team above five hundred in the central. I mean, it and took a cl- while for people to realize just how bad that White Sox team was. Well, but we knew they were going to win. We just didn't. You know, I think the whole time conditioned as Minnesota fans were like, "Yeah, they're going to win," and then they're going to lose uh, in the first round, and we'll, we'll we'll wait to see if that actually happens. I think depending on on who they play, obviously, but I'll give them a B plus. I think they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to give them an A because I think there's a couple, you know, coming out of the all-star break, I feel like there were times we had a couple series there where they'd win a series that we thought they'd lose. They'd lose a series that we thought they'd win. Um, you know, consistency was an issue at times, but this last month of the season, Pete, as you brought up when we talked to Corey, has just been outstanding. Yes, they're playing lower competition, but still, they were doing it, and, and they were they were rising above bad teams, which is exactly what you want at this point in the year. So I'll stay with a B plus. I'll give it a strong B, and I think that I think you're right. I, you you have you only have the opportunity to play who you have to play, right? And so I think the fact that they did what they needed to do, and especially I just like this momentum, and we, we've all been talking about this, but September. Just turned it a little bit, you know. It, it got the the heat got up a little bit, and we started getting a little bit better. Played a little bit better, and you know we're above being basically just barely a five hundred team. We're almost five fifty. So, you know, not that that's great, but at the same time, I I just like what the Twins are doing as we get closer and closer to playoff time, and we're just one more game away, and then then we're off in the races. And I think that 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 kind of momentum can carry over even though you played inferior teams i think that momentum helps a lot yeah can mo- i make one plea one plea to everybody please <laughs> if the twins win the, the the first round series can could we not do a champagne locker room shower 
<laughs> winning, winning, a, you know, the a first round playoff Let series. People please. have fun. <laughs> so no, what? It, it so takes what? away the excitement of it. You you get Does showered it? in champagne when you win the World Series, and when you and when you break an eighteen game postseason losing streak. <laughs> I'm fine with a champagne shower after one win. I am just fine with that. Then maybe you wait off until the next one. You're such a homer. There is a big. (laughs) I mean, it's it would be momentous. It would be. So if they win the first game, champagne shower. Yeah. Then they may go on to lose the series. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Fair. That's what I'm looking for. I lean on Kobe. I I lean on Kobe Bryant when they when they ask him questions when they're leading in a series and 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 he's all looking depressed and he's looking at him going, "We haven't done anything yet." (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so, celebration is for momentous occasions. Yes, yeah. that is the World Series. It's also breaking an absurd streak. That's true. Um, I, I, yeah, champagne showers, maybe not, but I, I don't have an issue with it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, yeah, back okay. to you, Pete. The NFL is playing in London once again this yeah. morning. I know you're watching the Toy Story broadcast right now. Um, the <laughs> Toy Story. Uh, Do you see that? You I, I've it? heard about it. I wasn't watching it. Oh, no. it's fun. Uh, the Falcons are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. And it got me thinking, those London games, I, I think they're pretty cool. They get pretty good turnouts out there uh, in these soccer stadiums. And mm-hmm. uh, they've been doing more and more every year. They've done some games elsewhere. Obviously, NFL Europe, you know all about that, Pete, for yeah. a little while. Uh, mm-hmm. My question for you, name a sport, name a location uh, yeah. that would be your absolutely ideal sports event. Uh, so would it be the NFL in Turks and Caicos? Would it be a, a baseball oh, game in Tokyo? Wow. Uh, what, what are you looking for, Pete? Wow, you went in a direction I wasn't expecting. I love I, those questions. Yeah, I, I love that too. Uh, you know, I had a great opportunity when I was playing football to play in some of these European cities. I'll tell you what, one of the most beautiful cities around is Montreal. So give me any sport you pick, baseball, whatever. I know that there used to be the Montreal Expos, but that, that city is is outrageously beautiful. It's like going to Europe without having to go to Europe. And I'd like to see the NFL kind of get up into Canada once in a while. I, you know, what the, what the heck? I think it'd be a lot of fun. What a, what a dumb name for a team, by the way. The Expos, they're named the Expos. after the, the exposition. Really? That's what we're going for? The, it's and, almost and as bad as the Commanders. The stadium that they played in was awful. Yeah, oh, it was, there. So it was bad. terrible. It was so awful. It, it was, was, so it was awful. an Olympic stadium, I believe, right? It was, it was yep. called Olympic Stadium, yeah. I think. Yeah. Now that I think mm-hmm. of it, I would like. I would like to see. Here's where we're going, okay? And here's what's going to happen in 20 years: the NFL will play on Mars. <laughs> Dead oh, serious. You want to go to a planet? <laughs> anything the NFL does works. They can go anywhere and make it work. Talk to Elon. Get him on a rocket ship. NFL on Mars. Save this in twenty years if we're still 20, if I'm alive and we're still on the air. I'm 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 a genius. Are you out of your mind? Yes. Twenty might be yes, a little twenty years. We we <laughs> haven't even been to Mars yet, and you're saying NFL on Mars? Hey, if also, anything wh- can speed up the the space race, it's Roger Goodell in the NFL. I, do you have a real answer? Really, you're going to go Mars? I don't even. I will I say don't you. Even accept that. Okay. My real answer is on, uh, uh, it's actually a bucket list for me, and I'm, and I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I, I would like to go see like a, a Tottenham game or a Manchester United in uh, England because I've just heard that and seen the fans are so crazy and it's so much fun. I've never witnessed it myself. It's a sports bucket list for me, so I, w- I would like to go over and watch a, uh, a Premier League soccer game mm. in England. In greater London. Got it. All right, yes. last one for you And here. then the NFL and Mars. And then the NFL and Mars. <laughs> Last one for in you, twenty Andy. years. <laughs> uh, 
Give me uh, the the wild preseason has started. Uh, they've been playing some games. Obviously, big names generally aren't going to be playing too much during the preseason. I think uh, Kaprizov did play the other day, though. Did he? Yeah. Not? Um, but you know, it's it's not a full squad. Uh, it's not exactly what they're going to put out on the ice on opening night, barring injuries. But give me, Dave, your one surprise player for the Wild this year. Now, context-wise, that can be positive or negative. It could yep. be Kaprizov having a super down year, or it could be somebody coming out of the blue and, and really establishing themselves as, a, as an everyday player. I'll give you two names that I think we're going to be talking about near the end of the season. One, I think we're going to hear from Carson Lambos, a defenseman for the Wild. He plays... Uh, he, he'll, he's going to start in Iowa, I would, I would think. Um, but I believe by the end of the season, we'll be seeing more of him. Brock Faber's in there too, but we all know about Brock Faber. And then I think Sammy Walker is going to surprise some people. I, again, I don't think he's going to start the season up either. Those two guys will probably, from everything I've heard, I think they'll probably be some of the first call-ups. Uh, I, I saw Lambos play in the prospect tournament and he is really fantastic i mean he's fast he's he's very offensively skilled but sound that he he will always get back and play his position the right way and i i think sammy walker we he had a hat trick uh, in the tournament and i think he played enough here last year to make a really good impression there's just it's a numbers game for him i think and i think they just have too many solid forwards on contracts that they have to use to, to push him back down to iowa but i would imagine one of the first injuries uh, call-ups will be Sammy Walker. Yeah, and we'll get back to those contract extensions a little bit later on in the yes, show, sir. I think, to uh, yes, chat about it. Well, that's all I got for you guys today. All right. Thanks, Charlie. We'll take a break. Come up and wrap hour number one. You're listening to 830 WCCO. <laughs> a little Duran Duran. Heck, yeah. Welcome back to the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Jerry, Charlie Weiss. Uh, let's hit up the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line here, 651-461-9226. We've got a couple of uh, texts to the line here, if I can get my window up. Um, the Gophers versus Michigan game will be a total blowout. Michigan is way too good. Hmm. Uh, Pete, I'd love to say that I disagree, but I really don't. <laughs> Do you know that they've won 17 straight conference games? Oh my uh, Michigan is good, and they're they're consistent. And now that Harbaugh's back, uh, I think it does look like a different team. Those first three weeks without him, they looked like Michigan to some degree, but they weren't the Michigan that we're used to. I think that Nebraska game sort of showed he's different. He's going to pound the ball. He's going to go after the, uh, the opponent. And I think he's going to try to do that against the Gophers. And if the Gophers don't have any answers to that uh, – it gets pretty ugly. And that's not a negative thing on the Golden Gophers. Right. It's just that that's how good Michigan is. They're ranked number two for a reason. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I think their quarterback had an issue yesterday of some sort. I think, I, for whatever reason, I think he got, you know, banged up a little bit or hmm. something. But uh, that's a good football team. They're, they're a team that can afford to lose certain play, players, even star players, and then mm -hmm. next man up. And I think that's what makes Michigan so good. Before we switch back over to baseball really quick, Pete, we're, what, four weeks into the season? Has your yeah. uh, has your pick for Heisman been swayed at all? Do you, do you have a pick so far? Uh, you know, I came into this year just like everybody else looking at Caleb Williams. Everybody says, oh, yeah, we should tank it. The Minnesota Vikings should tank because they could get Caleb Williams. That's, sec gotta... that's my take for second hour. Go ahead. Sorry. 
Well, and, and, and sorry, but but I would say this. Um, I don't know that I think he is the best uh, player that's in position for the Heisman, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I don't see USC has not looked that menacing. They have looked good, and he's looked good. But I think there are other players out there that uh, all quarterbacks. But you know what? I looked the other day, Dave. The top 15, according to the Vegas odds, 14 of them are quarterbacks. And then you get to a running back. So, uh, you know, take your pick. But I like Penix at at Washington. He has been unbelievable every single game that I've seen. And Bo Nix at Oregon, same thing. So I'd I'd put those two as one, too, right now. I was looking at at the stats really quick. I I love Bo Nix. I do. I just... Watching him, I, I love the way he plays. I think. Do you think he's more pro ready? Do you think yeah. Penix Jr. is pro ready? I I just like the size. I like the way he looks in the pocket. I like yeah. the decision making that that Bo Nix does right now. And uh, you know, Oregon's just always been an intriguing team to watch for from the yeah. coaching perspective, how they run their offenses. I think they're exciting, and I've been to that stadium, and I can tell you, it is. It rocks. They they know what they're doing there. They know how to get the fans excited. And a lot of that has to do with, hey, it's how we play on the field. They are fast, and they get the ball down the field at an unbelievable pace. Hmm. Another text into the City's on Palmy Talk text line. The Twins need to move on from Buxton. In five years in the majors, he's not played a full season, yet it's time to admit he's not worth the money and the risk. Um, <laughs> well, I, it, I'm sure his contract's guaranteed, so the money's gone. But... Um, He's also had more than five years in the majors. Although, if you add all his games up together, I don't know if it comes up to a full five seasons. <laughs> I don't. I, and I'm listen. I'm not the Mister Contract guy. I don't understand how it all works. I know what he. I don't know what they would uh, lose if they cut him and all this stuff. Charlie, you probably know better than I do, but I don't disagree. I, and I don't know what you do with Buxton, but I just don't think at this point. If listen, if you're going to a playoffs. And and it's you're looking for your first playoff win in in series win and who knows how long, you know. And and you don't have this guy on your roster either because of injuries or because he's not the best option there. It's time to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I agree. Yeah, I, unless he medically retires or something. I mean, there's the the money is gone. They're uh, on the hook no matter what. They're on the hook for the money. So what exactly? I mean, what's the other side of this? You might as well keep him around if he yeah. somehow miraculously heals. Great, he's still got talent. He's just injured. You could try. I suppose you could trade him. I doubt how. I you doubt any teams anything. are going to no, give you. You'd have to give up fifteen prospects. million a year for him. You'd have to give up <laughs> some good prospects, and that's yeah. not worth it. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. I mean, listen, he's twenty nine years old. He's twenty eight years old. Twenty nine now. He's twenty nine years old. I don't. We all know in baseball, you're probably on the downside of your career at 30, unless you're a pitcher. So it's a tough situation. It's a really tough situation for the Twins. But uh, as you heard Corey Provis say uh, earlier this hour, don't think he's going to be there for the postseason. Yeah. At least not for the first series. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Hour number two coming up your way. You're listening to the Huddle on A30 WCCO.